Hi, welcome to Forever Paranormal with Dr. Bill and Deb. The term paranormal refers to phenomena and experiences that are beyond the scope of normal scientific understanding and cannot be easily explained through traditional scientific principles. These phenomena often challenge conventional beliefs and are associated with the supernatural, metaphysical, or unexplained aspects of reality. As with any field of inquiry, it is essential to approach the paranormal with an open but critical mind, relying on empirical evidence and logical reasoning to draw conclusions. It's a topic that continues to intrigue and challenge both believers and skeptics alike, and if we can connect a paranormal element to it, we'll talk about it. You'll be surprised by what all can be connected to the paranormal. Please don't forget to follow, rate, and share the show, since it would not be possible without you, our listeners. And as a public service, we would like to let everyone know that you are truly never alone, even if you think you are. The Suicide and Crisis Lifeline is 988. Please just reach out. Well, hello there everyone, and welcome to this week's show, where we are going to discuss a tremendously haunted and a pretty cool town from the Old West, Deadwood, South Dakota. Hey Deb, how are you? Hi, good, how are you? I'm good. So, you got anything new this week? Well, usually I like to seek out unusual, odd stories, but the the one that intrigued me turned out to be not funny, but actually kind of sad. Oh, yeah? Do you, do you still want to hear it? Yeah, let's hear it. Well, the, the uh, title of the article was Horse Loose on a Plane, so I'm thinking, okay, another plane That's episode. Kinda, that could be a, yeah? Yeah. Well... It was a cargo plane headed from New York to Brussels, I believe, and the uh, there was animals aboard, and when they were flying towards wherever they were going, the, they encountered turbulence, and one of the horses got spooked and tried to jump out of its stall, and you got to consider that when they're loading these horses and big animals in there, they're confined in a very small stall to keep them from doing this. Yes, they can't shift side And they're side, side by side in a, in a container, and it's uh, packed full of animals. And the only thing that sticks out of these uh, stalls would be their head, and enough for the trainers to feed them. Um, so... It tried to jump out through that hole and got stuck. And um, so they had to request a reed to be rerouted back to where they came from and that a veterinarian be there when they got there because there there was an animal that was... Um, in distress. In distress, yes, yeah. thank you. And when they got there, he... His damages were so bad that they ended up having to euthanize it. So I was, you know, like, well, yeah, uh, I was that, contemplating that, even mentioning it. Yeah, it that is sad. kind of a sad story. But I do have one question, though. Do you know who the cargo airline was? Uh, 
No. Yeah, I think it was a because Arctic, Antarctic or something. Because like that. I'm, I'm pretty sure that plane's going to be haunted with a horse now, <laughs> so it kind of fits into our our parameters here. I guess haunted <laughs> horse haunts plane. Well, we'll wait to see that. Headline. Okay. Well, we're going to move on from that one. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> Okay, Deb, well, I know you said you didn't have anything new, but I do want to let everyone know that you and Wyatt did an outstanding job in the 5K you ran this past weekend, with both both of you finishing extremely well in your classes. Thank Congratulations. you. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're welcome. That. Well, Deb, you know, when you and I were discussing what to do for this week's episode, you suggested that we do something on haunted theaters. And I know you mentioned Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C., where Lincoln was assassinated because, yeah, it is supposedly haunted. But then, you know, my brain instantly went to the Gem Theater, which is in Deadwood, South Dakota. This was a rough place with too many deaths to count, but it wasn't rebuilt after the third time it burned to the ground out there. But there are many other places that held shows, have theaters, of one type or another, and are definitely haunted. So I think we'll talk about that. Well, Deb, as you recall, I spent a week there some years back and visited many of the so-called haunted places. Heck, I even stayed in the original Deadwood City Jail, where they kept Butch Cassidy in the Sundance Kid, which is now an Airbnb, believe it or not. But if this location is haunted, I couldn't prove it even though some of the locals told me there was a mass grave about 100 yards away where they buried many of the people who died from an outbreak of cholera. Okay, so let's get a little background on Deadwood before we go too far. I mean, after all, most people probably at least remember the long-running HBO series about it. Deadwood was named for the dead trees found in the gulch in which the illegal settlement began in the 1870s at the start of the Black Hills Gold Rush. The Black Hills had been set aside as the land of the Lakota people, but when gold was discovered during an expedition to the area led by George Armstrong Custer, the white settlers and prospectors poured into the region. By the time of Custer's demise in the Montana Territory, there were nearly 5,000 settlers and prospectors in Deadwood. Hey, that Custer guy, he just didn't do any good, did he? <laughs> okay, so, <laughs> law was a matter of personal opinion, and the town quickly developed a reputation for lawlessness. Gambling, prostitution, liquor, and narcotics were all freely available in the town during its heyday as a mining town slash camp, a period which was relatively short. And we need to keep in mind that the first few years of its existence, there was literally nothing illegal in Deadwood. As a matter of fact, brothels and prostitution did not become illegal in Deadwood until 1980. Wow. But today... Deadwood is still a town, and as a matter of fact, it is the only U.S. town to be named a National Historic Landmark. Probably the most haunted places within Deadwood would be, in no particular order, Bullock's Hotel, the Fairmont Hotel, Saloon Number 10, and the Adams House. There are many other places here with paranormal activity, 
including the famous or infamous, if you will, Mount Moriah Cemetery. The cemetery itself is located on a very steep and rocky plateau on the side of a mountain, and just by looking at some of the graves that are there, you can tell there is no way some of these people that are buried there could have been buried in one piece. Either that or they had to be buried standing straight up and down because these tiny graves are right in between these giant boulders. This cemetery is the permanent home of such people as Wild Bill Hickok, Seth Bullock, Calamity Jane, and Soul Star, who was Bullock's business partner. As a matter of fact, despite being a rough and mainly lawless town at one time, it was also one of the first towns of inclusion in history as there were many readily accepted Jewish and Chinese settlers who thrived there and are buried in Mount Moriah. You can even still see some of them there from time to time, it is said. Hmm. The most haunted location I was at had to be Bullock's Hotel. This is a beautiful establishment, and when it was built, it boasted a restaurant that could seat 100 people and offered such delicacies as pheasant and lobster. The large lobby features red velvet carpeting, brass chandeliers, oak trim, and a Steinway grand piano. Upstairs, the 63 rooms were furnished with oak dressers and brass beds. Each floor had a bathroom, a library, and a parlor were located off the balcony. And in 1900, a small building that adjoined the hotel on the south was obtained by Bullock, which served as the gentleman's bar. During a private tour of the place, most of the activity I experienced was downstairs in what is known as Seth's Cellar. I recorded different colored orbs, saw shadow figures, heard a disembodied voice, and even lost a couple hundred bucks on the slot machines once back upstairs. But you talk about all kinds of otherworldly activity, all in the course of a night, it was there. So who or what is it haunting Bullock's Hotel? Seth Bullock continues to play host at his beloved hotel. According to both staff and guests, all manner of strange occurrences has happened at the historic hotel. Everyone from workers, residents, and several authors have reported feelings of a strong, paranormal presence inside several rooms, in the second and third floor hallways, in Bully's restaurant, and Seth's cellar. Others have reported seeing the tall, ghostly figure of Bullock in various areas of the hotel, including the restaurant in the basement. Apparently, Seth's ghost wants to ensure that the staff is working hard as paranormal events tend to increase when staff members stand idle, whistle, or hum a tune. Plates and glasses have been known to shake and take flight in the restaurant. Lights and appliances turn on and off by themselves. Unseen hands inexplicably move items, and the showers turn on, seemingly all of their own accord. Many of the guests have reported hearing their name called out by a male voice when no one is present or tapped on the shoulder by some unseen hands. Others have heard whistling, and many report the sounds of footsteps in the hallways when no one is there. In both the second and third floor rooms, guests have reported several strange occurrences including photographs that produce strange anomalies, alarm clocks that go off even when they're unplugged, televisions that seemingly, seemingly operate on their own with unseen hands, 
shadowy figures seen in rooms and hallways, and even an antique clock that hasn't functioned in years that chimes on its own accord on occasion. It's surely not just a ghost of Seth Bullock haunting the still-functioning hotel and casino, as some of the apparitions include women and children, so we need to keep in mind that during the cholera and smallpox outbreak, Bullock opened his hotel to those in need, and many ended up dying there, including a hanging in room 211, where supposedly you can occasionally still see the man swinging on his rope. One interesting story related to me by an employee while I was there was about a little boy whose parents couldn't find him, and after frantically searching the hotel, they ended up going back to their room to find him sitting there happy and healthy. He told his parents he had went to get a soda and got lost, but a nice man showed him the way back to his room. The next morning when they were checking out, the boy ended up pointing to a picture of Bullock and said, There he is. That's the man who helped me. So now, staying with hotels a few minutes, we're going to segue over to the Fairmont. I discovered its haunted history while having some lunch at its restaurant one afternoon. While there, it was easy to see there have been countless paranormal investigations carried out there. And, purportedly, most have come to the conclusion that the Fairmont Hotel is loaded with a dark and spooky history. Built in 1898 in the heart of Deadwood's Badlands District, the property was featured on the Dead Files and Ghost Adventures. Over the course of its 125-plus year history, it housed a Victorian brothel, Turkish bath, speakeasy, and many other legal and illegal pursuits. Several deaths and at least one murder occurred on the premise, likely contributing to ongoing paranormal activities. Purportedly, the most famous ghost to hang around the Fairmont is Jack McCall who killed Wild Bill Hickok at Saloon Number 10. Supposedly, Amy from the Dead Files reportedly spoke with Jack. I have a bit of a hard time wrapping my head around this, and at first because history tells us that Jack McCall was originally found not guilty of killing Hickok, and it wasn't until he was bragging of the murder after fleeing to the Wyoming Territory that he was hung, convicted, hung, and buried still with the rope around his neck. After more research, I did discover that the original location of Saloon Number 10 was right next door to the Fairmont. But there is more to this history than just old Jack, and I do believe that the energy of a spirit can pretty much go where it wants to. There are ghost stories involving tragic tales of murder, jealousy, suicide, and above all, prostitution. One of the first horrible stories that took place here was in 1907, when a girl who worked upstairs named Margaret Broadwater took her own life by jumping out a third-floor window. Why she did this is not entirely clear, but there are rumors she was crazed with drink and possibly trying to cover up the fact that she had gotten pregnant. Another deadly story happened within the same year. A man, Prentice Bernard, a.k.a. Vinegar Rowan, shot and killed a client of his girlfriend's who worked there. 
Well, he was distraught with jealousy. While escaping after the murder, he accidentally shot himself in the leg while trying to shove the pistol into his pants and died after collapsing outside on the streets due to blood loss. But for record here, the man he shot didn't die. So that's a wild one. The ghost of Margaret, who is supposedly a woman wearing a green dress with red hair, and both of the men and even others like a little boy captured recently in photographs, have been seen and heard lurking amongst the shadows of the hotel. Apparitions are extremely common here, and many people also experience the feeling of brushes against their skin or hair. Many have also claimed to have the feeling that someone is running past them on the stairs. One has to wonder if it could be the spirit of Rowan running from the hotel after shooting a man and accidentally shooting himself. It's too bad you can't stay in this hotel anymore just to try and experience something for yourself. But the food is good there, and there's a souvenir shop like no other on the first floor. But they do have ghost tours on the third floor a few nights a week. Not sure if anything's there or not, but they still have them. Let's go ahead and saunter on over yonder to the Adams house for the next location. Here's a little background on the property. W.E. Adams was the second owner of the Adams house, a home like Deadwood had never seen when it was originally built in 1892 because it included indoor plumbing, electricity, and even had a telephone. But what about the hauntings? Who is doing it, you asked? The Franklins were the original builders, so there are supposedly the spirits of Harris and Anna Franklin. They built the house in 1892. Then they sold the house to their son, Nathan, and his wife, Ada, in 1905. And then Nathan sells the house to William Emery Adams, W.E. Adams, in 1920. A few years after purchasing the home in 1925, tragedy strikes the Adams family. Adams was a very prominent businessman around Deadwood, and he lost his wife, daughter, and infant granddaughter within 48 hours of each other that year. However, not one to be alone, Adams gets remarried to Mary Visage, 44 years his junior. But then, on June 16, 1934, W.E. Adams died in the home of a stroke. At this point, Mary moves to California, claiming the house is haunted and it sits vacant for like 50 years. During the 50 years the house sat vacant, it was amazingly left untouched by trespassers, vandals, and looters. Every year, Mary would travel back to Deadwood, but she would never stay in the home. Instead, she elected to stay at the Franklin Hotel. When asked why she would never stay at the home, Mary claimed it was haunted. Whether this was a clever plan devised by Mary to keep trespassers away or not, it seemed to have worked. The home remained unmolested until she sold the home in 1987. There are said to be various spirits there, including Adams, some of his family, the Franklins, and even Seth Bullock on occasion, who lived next door. But it's said to be mostly W.E. Adams himself that haunts it. It's reported that activity has included people hearing voices coming from other rooms in the house, very much like a party, as both the Adams and Franklins were known for the big parties they threw. The hearing footsteps, 
seeing a tall shadow of a man in an upstairs bedroom window, a past employee seeing the apparition of W.E. Adams, an employee witnessing the rocking chair in Mary's room rocking, hearing footsteps coming up the back steps, you know, the typical haunting stuff we always hear about. Here is how this was explained by the Adams House Museum curator. On several occasions, she claimed she would hear what sounded like several people speaking in different parts of the home, and when she would go investigate, she would hear the talking come from another part of the home. Other times, she would get the feeling she was being watched. She said when she would close up at night, she would walk through the house and turn off all the lights, then lock the doors. She said the next morning, she would get emails from a city employee telling her to make sure she turned off the lights because she would have to come to the house and turn the lights off. After several incidences, she started taking pictures of the house to prove the lights were out when she left, and when she came to work the next morning, she received other messages that the lights were on in the home, but she had the pictures to prove the lights were off, so who's turning them on? Different paranormal investigators have reported some of the rooms have a lot more energy in them than others. W.E.'s bedroom, for one thing, is a very energy-filled room. The library in the house is also a very emotional room. There are smells throughout the house on the top floor in the old gentleman's smoking room, like you have cigar smoke, pipe smoke that people smell, and they even smell different perfumes. They'll have feelings of hot and cold sensations. They'll feel like somebody touched them when nobody's next to them. They'll feel like somebody grabs their hair. Somebody may feel like something small walked by their leg or is leaning against their leg as the family had pets and they had dogs. So a lot of it is really just coincides with the history of the home. This place supposedly was so haunted even the police department had experiences. One officer in particular loves the Adams house since he grew up in Deadwood and does spot checks because the actual house belongs to the city of Deadwood and Deadwood history operates it. One time he was doing a check with a new officer, which means there was a witness. As they were checking the windows, he said, oh, I always walk by the front door and check it. When they checked it, he was able to open it and he couldn't figure out why. He said he closed it again, and then they were able to open it again, and then it wouldn't open. So they had to call the person from the city that lets them in, a back entrance to check the house. So they went into the house, they couldn't find anyone, and they check everything. Then they go back to the front door from the inside, which was dead bolted, and the chain was on. There was no way that door should have opened for him. Weird, I have to say. I have to agree. The last place we're going to discuss had me a little confused when first rolling into town as I definitely wanted to check out saloon number 10 where Wild Bill was killed by Jack McCall and the birthplace of the infamous dead man's hand of aces and eights. When you walk through the front door and turn around, above the door, there it is, the chair Wild Bill was allegedly sitting in when he died. There's also a two-headed calf named Double Cheeseburger. Both were believed to be real. But I can tell you, the calf died at birth. It didn't live. So, just to clarify that. 
Even though it's said that some of the patrons still hang around the only museum with a bar, I quickly learned that this was not the original location of the saloon number 10 in which Hickok was killed. Apparently, in the fire of 1879, the original number 10 burnt to the ground and was relocated. However, never fear, my friends. The Wild Bill Bar and Trading Post was built on those old brick ruins when the town was rebuilt. You can check out a recreation of the room in which Hickok was shot, which is also where Ghost Lab investigators believe they did contact Wild Bill. The paranormal fun doesn't end there, though. The second floor has a theater space available for rental. See that? We got back to the theaters. But it may also be home to some ghosts that have been heard or spotted over the years. There were reports of the spirits of prostitutes and a small child on the second floor. Employees have heard the sounds of footsteps coming from the second floor, and it was especially noticeable during a time when the Lucky Nugget Casino was there. Some employees who have gone to the second floor have been touched, have strange feelings, and some have seen shadow people and apparitions. Some have smelled a woman's perfume. One employee saw an apparition of a small child who had appeared before and then suddenly disappeared. It's not clear if this place is still haunted or not. Some say that the previous owners had the second floor cleansed, but others still at least claim to have activity on the first floor. I personally never made it there. So I can't tell you. Before we end this episode, we should tell you that the first reported haunting in Deadwood occurred on December 6th, 1877, at the Lone Star Building on Lower Main Street, which was the site of a grisly murder-suicide. Kitty Leroy, a popular dancer, poker dealer, and probable prostitute, was shot and killed by her jealous husband, Samuel Curley. Curley then shot and killed himself. As a result of this double killing, a Black Hills Daily Times article dated January 16, 1878, reported a haunting taking place in the Lone Star Building. Here is the article. To tell our tale briefly and simply is to repeat a story old and well-known, the reappearance in spirit form of departed humanity. In this case, it is the shadow of a woman, comely if not beautiful, and always following her footsteps, the tread and form of the man who was the cause of their double death. In the still watches of the night, the double phantoms are seen to tread the stairs where once they reclined in the flesh and linger o'er places where once they reclined in loving embrace and finally to melt away in the shadows of the night as peacefully as their bodies souls seem to have done when the fatal bullets brought death and the grave to each. The Lone Star Building was wiped out by the Whitewood Creek Flood in 1883, but that's a pretty mild way to explain a haunting if you ask me. That's kind of cool compared to how it's done today. Well, Deb, you ready to go hang out in Deadwood and look for some ghosts? Hmm, I don't know. It's kind of a cool town. We'll see. Ah, yeah, I think you'd like it anyhow. Well, what about you folks? It's a really cool place to go, and if you haven't, you should. 
you never know who you may bump into in the night. And with that, thanks for listening, and until next time, when we discuss another tale yet to be told. Thank you for listening, and remember to like and share the show. We would also appreciate a five-star rating wherever possible to help new listeners find the show. We welcome all questions or comments you may have about this or any other episode, and our contact information can be found in the show notes of this episode. You can also follow us at foreverparanormal.com. And if you'd like to support us, you can buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash foreverparanormal. The links to these are also in the show notes of this episode.